This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Misses the Canucks net. It looked like a carbon copy of the Dubé attempt. And the game is over. The Canucks win the shootout, one to nothing, and win the game four to three. The Flames pick up an important point, but the Canucks get two. It's a point streak and also a losing streak right now for the Calgary Flames. Points in three straight, but losses in four straight as they kicked off a two-game homestand with a loss in the shootout to the Vancouver Canucks last night. Welcome to Sportsnet today on this Thursday, December 15th. Logan Gordon with you, coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in Calgary, Alberta. Producer slash board op duo extraordinaire, Cam and Taylor in the other room. Good morning. It's noon. I'm waking up. It's noon. It was a late one last night. I'll give you that. Didn't leave till 1130 last night. The TNT crew in-house for a a national broadcast south of the border. Saw the flames fall for the first time in their pedestal jerseys. They're awesome reverse retros. Uh, back to Blasty on Friday, I believe, when they woke in the St. Louis Blues and looked to uh, end this four-game losing streak that started last Friday in Columbus. So we got a busy program for you this afternoon. We'll chat with Peter Labardius in just moments. We can uh, give him a ring whenever you guys get a chance there now. And we'll break down what we saw yesterday from the Flames Thursdays. As usual, mean our regular chat in hour two with Adnan Verk from uh, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. We'll talk some Carlos Correa. We'll talk some Blue Jays and uh, get a little bit of uh, movie talk in there with Adnan as always. But let's flash back to last night. Canucks 4, Flames 3. A less than ideal start for Daryl Sutter's crew who in a few minutes into the game find themselves down by a 2-0 score and are forced to battle back. They would battle back. They would tie the game. They would even have a 3-2 lead at one point in this game. Sheldon Dries, third of the season in period number two, would tie it up from there. No scoring until we headed to the shootout where Andre Kuzmenko would be the only score in the shootout to win it for Vancouver. Uh, lots of questions around this Flames team right now uh, as they're kind of stuck in this middling position in the Pacific Division and the uh, Western Conference playoff race. So uh, let's break it all down, though, with our uh, our pal Peter Labardius. He's the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, and he's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Peter. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. 
Uh, Flames fall last night in a shootout to the Vancouver Canucks to kick off this short two-game homestand. And uh, I was saying it as we come in there, and uh, Wes mentioned it a few times last night in the Flames locker room. It's a strange one, Lou. They're on a three-game point streak, but also a four-game losing streak. Um, not ideal for this group that's looking to you know, create some momentum and try to find themselves on the positive side of 500. What did you make of what you saw last night at the Saddledome? Well, it was an interesting game in the sense that, you know, good deflection, bad coverage, and before the game's two minutes old, you're two down. But all period long in the first, just seemed like it was going to be a night where there was going to be lots of open ice and lots of opportunities. And for two periods in particular, that was exactly the case as it went back and forth up and down good goaltending chances at both ends of the rink um right now to summarize though it's kind of a same old same old refrain and that is one goal game number 18 11 losses in those games Overtime and shootouts have not been their best friend as the season has gone along. Started well on both fronts, but has not gone well in the last five or six. They just don't seem to be able to, you know, find a moment to put somebody away when they can, to get a big goal when they can, sometimes to prevent one when they need to. They're literally every single night a play away from having a very, very different record. This is not a team that outside of one game this year, the Columbus game last Friday, you feel like they have a chance to win every game. They're not winning enough. And and last night, in all sincerity, when I look back to it, and I even mentioned it on the post-game show, Logan, seems like there's one pair or one line that isn't at least up to par. So, for example, you know, I I did. I thought it was another tough night at times for the third pair. And it was a tough night for the Lindholm line, who ended up minus two. So if they're even, you win the hockey game. And it's, you know, that's just one example. But I did like the grit, you know, and I think one thing that's really important to start with in part today is that they're a tired group right now. And I think tired both physically and maybe even a little mentally with a kind of grind and guess what? One-goal games, do you think those are easy to play mentally? No. No. That takes a toll, too. So they were supposed to practice today. Daryl gave them the day off. They need some energy. And it was funny. I was watching the Boston Islander game on replay yesterday, and Boston had just been on a trip, and sorry, no disrespect, not always the same type of east to west or west to east trips that happen out here. 
and all Boston's broadcasters talked about during that game is how tired Jim Montgomery's group was after a tough travel situation and how they needed to find a way to grit one out, which they did in the shootout. Yeah. So you have those nights and think about Vancouver. Vancouver hadn't played since Saturday. Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot, and as we were talking there, the one thing that, that kind of struck me is it feels like these conversations, and because we have them daily, Lou, you know, it, it, you're always reminded of what we talked about yesterday or just the other day, but you're right, it does feel as though for us these conversations have gone maybe not game in, game out, but it sure feels like if one night we're not talking about a D pairing that wasn't up to snuff, we're talking about a line that maybe wasn't up to, to performance levels. And that's just not the kind of consistency that this group can can have. We've talked so much about them being a team that is going to rely on being able to roll out four lines and three D pairings if they want to be successful. And let's be honest, there's a lot of different reasons. You can use them as excuses if you want. Injuries, chemistry, guys who aren't with the team, whatever you want to say, but they just haven't been able to do that the consistency hasn't been there from this the entire group at one time, it feels like, during this season. Well, it's weird because you're right. But the consistent part of it is they're in every game and show you in every game as reasons to why. You know, you look at the second period last night, they had a chance to run away and hide in that game. Again, couldn't quite get over. That would be my theme of the whole season through 30 games. Can't quite get over. And I think that's for everybody what makes it a little frustrating is, you know, this isn't a team that's going out and getting their doors blown off. Regardless of the opponent, you look back to Saturday, you're playing the hottest team in the league in a back-to-back situation for you. Mm-hmm. feels like the Leafs never play back-to-backs, which isn't true, but I uh, digress. <laughs> and, you know, you put a whale of an effort on the table. It's, 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 it feels like Groundhog Day a lot this season. The storylines are the same. The results can be the same. And... I still can't help but feel like they're not going to go on a nice big streak at some point and potentially put themselves in a situation to get themselves ready for the playoffs. But the longer it goes, and we're 30 games in now, seems to me, Logan, like this group's probably going to be in a fight to make the playoffs maybe till the end of March. Yeah, it kind of feels that way, and it feels like if they can't, you know, get those balances or create those balances for themselves, that yeah, this is where they're going to be. And I have to give credit to to George, our pal in the morning, George Russick, uh, with Matt Rose this morning. They had a, a great segment. George pulled some stats from this morning, and you know, the first ten games of the season where there was a five and two stretch for the Calgary Flames in there, compared to the last twenty games of the season, Lou the numbers are almost identical. Like we've been talking about the same thing with this team literally since the beginning of the season. 
the number, the goal differential is from the first 10 games to the last 20 games, uh, if I have the numbers right that George threw out there, they're like minus one. It's the power play and the penalty kill percentages compared to both of those sample sizes are almost identical, like within 2% of each other. So not enough to, to correlate that there's been a big difference. It's literally been the same story. And I understand the Groundhog Day term to me is perfect because that's what it is. This team has been the same team with the same problems really for two months of the season now. Almost three, okay. two and a half at least. Okay. Okay. So we've had a pretty negative conversation, right? Yeah. And it is and it is very much felt like a negative time for the Flames and and it has been let's just use one word disappointing but here's what I will say how many games in the last 10 do they have points in so they won four out of five on the homestand they lost in Columbus and have points now I guess would that not be points in seven of nine? Yeah. Didn't get a point so, against Montreal at home and didn't get a point against Columbus. And and put up 46 shots and gave up 19 against Montreal. Yeah, you, you should have you win that game most and, nights, yeah. And, and what territorially might have been their most dominant performance of any of those games, and they didn't win it. And the reason I bring that stuff up is, no, it does it translate to exactly what you want? No, it doesn't. But fit and pressure and expectation and I think just a general overall feeling of we're disappointing people, starting with themselves, has been difficult. Expect, I always come back to the expectation word. And I don't sugarcoat it this time. I had really high expectations for this group. And frankly, I missed it. And how I missed it, not that I've missed why people have done what they've done or, if you will, haven't done but I didn't listen to my own theories enough going into the year about change is difficult. Guys who, if they really had their own choice, would the summer have taken them to Calgary? A team that had its second best regular season. A team that had, I don't know what the exact number is, I think it's 14 or 15 players who had career seasons. Shouldn't, shouldn't starting with me, when I talk about all those things, should I really be surprised that it's been more of a struggle? And let me add one more thing, Mr. Gordon. You also went through a season last year until the second round of the playoffs where you virtually had not one key injury. Not one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you started this year with a a big minus to your team with Oliver Shillington not being yes. around. Yes, and I still think, you know, as we've talked about and Patty and I have talked about in pregame shows and 
you know, I don't want to beat it to death, but, you know, solidifying that group of six and another night last night too, where, you know, Chris Tanev's not a Norris candidate, but I'll tell you what, for this team, they just don't seem to be as confident as a group when he's not there. They lose his minutes. They lose his leadership. I, I think, you know, you, you ask both goalies. He's both goalies' best friend. You ask the center iceman. He's their best friend in the defensive zone. Now, did they have enough chances to win the game last night? Sure they did. Were they a bad team last night? No, they weren't. Did they get some wonderful efforts from people, i.e. the cadre line? Yes, they did. But I thought their top four was just fine. I thought Weger played his tail off. He's plus two. Need a little more from a few key people at key times. And when that starts to happen, this team's going to put some wins together. Yeah, and look, the good news in all of this too, and I I know it's been a lot of doom and gloom and a lot of negative from observers of the team right now, they are within striking distance of a Pacific Division playoff spot and a wildcard playoff spot despite all the things that we've talked about today, despite the, the problems, despite the the ups and downs. This isn't a team that's that's far off and out of this picture. If we talk about them, you know, finding a way to have a really good stretch of hockey, Lou, which, again, you don't have to squint that hard to, to see it happening. Find one. Yeah. It, you're not sitting here talking about it's going to take 10 wins in a row for you to find yourself in a playoff spot. That's a pretty decent spot to be in considering all the things that we've had and want to criticize about this team. When I watch every single game and they're in these battles and they're in a battle every single night, all that goes through my mind in the last five minutes or three minutes of a third period is get yourself to overtime because you do not want to leave this building after what you've put on the table with nothing. Well, they get to the table. They're just not eating the way they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and something you know, that, that it, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm no, I was just, you know, going back to the TANF point and everything, the, the two things there that, that stuck out to me were, you know, First of all, if you, you think it's valuable watching Tanev play, watch what the group looks like without him. That, that to me, has become as, as obvious as anything. If you want to talk about a guy's value to a team, it's one thing to watch him, Lou, and it's another thing to watch what the group is without him. That, to me, is, is the biggest indicator of how valuable Tanev is to this group. And, and look, this is something I, I know, for the most part, this won't apply to, to Rasmus and to Noah as much, but Pat pointed this out on the on the Flamestock post game show last night. How easy was it last year for for Huska and for Sutter to pencil in one to six on D and simply not worry about it? It was Hannafin, Anderson, yeah. Shillington, Tanev, Goodbranson, Zadorov, go for it. It hasn't been anywhere close to that this year. No, 
And the other theory I always have, and you know it well, when you are not a good group or a good enough group on the back, don't tell me it doesn't affect your entire group. Oh, 100%. You're not going to score as much. You know, that was a big part of the pregame show too, Logan, last night when Patty and I chatted. You know, and of course it was on the on the eve of Tanev's injury and missing a game. What you just said is so true. And, you know, the thing I would add to it, what they haven't found is Eric Branson has turned into being a very big loss for this team in the leadership department, in the stability department, in the penalty kill department, in the reliable what you need from a third pairing player department. That's huge. And, and despite all of that and our talk about the defense, team's not given up very much over the last 10. No, they really but haven't. That, but that part, I, every time I look at a team and assess, you know, even right now when, with, the, with the World Junior on the precipice, do I know Canada has an amazing group of forwards? Yes. Do I believe Milic and Gaudreau and Goal will find a combination that works? Yes. Do I like their blue line? Yes. Do I love three guys on their blue line? Yes. But do I know who number four is going to be? No. Does it concern me when I think about the playoff round? Yes. Because to make an analogy, even for that group, year in and year out, I've seen a lot of teams not win gold medals with great forward groups, but not with all the right answers on defense. It's a, it's a massive part. It's, that's, it's, 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 it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. You, you can't tell me and that your number one goalie is he's back. I'm not really sure he was ever gone. And you were in the room last night. I was not, obviously. You know where I was. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a subject in its own right. Players seem to be pretty sick and tired of answering questions about Jacob Markstrom. Yep. So yesterday, two things I heard out of that room. In the morning, I heard Blake Coleman say, and he used the media... And, and I don't have any problem with it because I don't disagree. Where, you know, maybe through the media and the fan base, the people think that Jacob's got a bigger problem than he's had. And then last night, you tell me, you were in there, what'd you hear? Were you in the Dylan Dubé scrum? I was. Okay, share share with our fine listeners what you heard. It was... Uh, I, he essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but you know, I, he thinks this has been blown up way bigger than it ever needed to be, and that frankly, they're sick of answering questions and think there shouldn't be any more questions 
uh, about Jacob Markstrom that they've, you know, first of all, it was a bigger deal than it ever needed to be. And frankly, the team hasn't felt the way that many people on the outside have felt about it. They were, Dylan was as clear and concise about that as anybody last night, that that's a topic that they're not talking about and that no one in that room has even brought up nearly as much as has been talked about outside of the room. Do you know what the big part about that is for me? It's not about the questions we're asking because some of them, frankly, at times have been valid. It's about how they respond as a group to a key guy on their team. That's a reflection of what he means to that group. When people start to volunteer that they've had enough, you know, it's, I'd like to make a perfect analogy, but, you know, if, if you have a close friend, Logan, and you're out with a bunch of people and they keep railroading this person, do you like it? No. No. Are you going to fight back at a certain point because that person matters? Yes, you are. I love that. I love that. That might have been my favorite part of yesterday because it emphasizes what a leader he is, what an example he is, and how much he means to his group. The other thing I can't keep thinking about, you see how many guys were around Tanev the other night in Montreal when he got hurt? Yep. You think that happens for everybody on the team? No, absolutely not. Not a chance. So lots of good in there. Still sorting it out. Still some guys, including key key people, I think, still trying to sell themselves on everything that's happened in a whirlwind few months. But the, the good news is there's 52 games left. And we might be laughing in April and May about these conversations. Back at it tomorrow, uh, finish off this two-game homestand against uh, an interesting St. Louis Blues team, Lou. I'm looking forward to uh, to chatting with you tomorrow and getting set for uh, another Flames game day and talking about uh, Craig Berube's uh, group coming to town. We'll uh, we'll do that tomorrow, pal. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, hey? Yeah, you, you too, and uh, keep those two behind the glass. I, I can tell you <laughs> got them. They're doing well, and, you know, cut them a little slack. Will do. You, you you might you might know somebody pretty well who not too long ago was <laughs> and still is on that side of the glass. Yeah, I know they're a pretty good crew over there. I love it. I love in all sincerity. Last quick point. Yeah, I know I gotta go, but uh, but I do love how you you bring them in every day and and involve them. You know, people have no idea how important those people are behind the scenes. Oh, hundred so, percent. And they're and they're young and they're getting better all the time and they're nice nice young people so keep her going in there you guys thank you lou bye everybody right See the you, lou. there you go perfect way to end it off today with uh, peter labardius he joins us every single day to kick off the program he's brought to you by the gemini group home renovations your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are give your home the gemini difference the gemini group now offering air miles reward miles Visit GeminiGroup.ca, those uh, kind, hardworking people who are talking about 
uh, our extraordinary producers and board op, uh, Cam and Taylor on the other side. Uh, my Gen Z minions, as I call them. Uh, yes, they do tremendous work, and I couldn't do what I do uh, without them doing it. So, uh, yes, great job, guys. You continue to uh, to kill it over there. Uh, we'll continue the Flames conversation next. The text line's been uh, lighting up uh, during that conversation with Lou, and uh, why not dive more into the Calgary Flames situation now in the midst of this four-game losing streak. Uh, they got the St. Louis Blues coming up on Friday. We'll uh, get to the text line. We'll hear a bit from last night from the Flames locker room, including that conversation with Dylan Dubé in the media, head coach Daryl Sutter, and more as Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, hour one continues here on Sportsnet Today. Following a Flames... Shootout loss to the Vancouver Canucks last night at the Scotiabank Sound. I'm Logan Gordon along with you. Talked lots of flames, of course, with uh, Peter Labardius to kick off the hour. And as usual, that has sparked a, a bit of debate on the text line at 960-960, where you can always interact with us on the show. Questions, comments, queries, anything that you want to talk about. Uh, but a couple of them that I wanted to get to and sort of continue this Flames conversation that we're having because it, it's a tough spot right now. It is, I know it's a frustrated fan base. On my way home Wednesday from the Saddle Dome reporting with, uh, with Steinberg and the rest of the guys on the Flames broadcast crew, listen to the Flamestock postgame show, which you can get uh, as part of our Sportsnet 960 shows. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, Google, Spotify, Amazon, etc. And listen to the calls with Patty on my drive home. And yeah, it's a it's a frustrated fan base right now. And I don't want to say that I'm caught in the middle of it because I can understand the frustration. But at the same time, I still look at things and say, I don't I, maybe it's not as bad as we're making it out to be. As I mentioned with Peter in hour one, all things considered for how inconsistent this team has been, and I do think that's something that you can be legitimately frustrated about, they are really just barely on the outside looking in when it comes to a playoff spot in either the Pacific Division or a Western Conference wildcard. That's a positive. Is it where you wanted the team to be? No. Everybody wanted this team to be near or at the top of the Pacific Division, given how big the offseason was, given what last year was for this group. But it's clear, it's clear to me at least, that a lot of us, myself included, I'm, I'm just as much a part of it as anybody else, that underestimated how big of a change this was going to be for this group that how much it would be difficult for Elias Lindholm to transition to align with Tyler Toffoli and Jonathan Huberto. I still think Jonathan Huberto is going to figure it out. And he took it in the teeth last night. He took it in the teeth on social media. And everybody wants him to be Johnny Gaudreau, but he's not Johnny Gaudreau. You want to do a lot of the same things that Johnny Gaudreau did. I, I was wrong. It's going to take more time. 
the free flow in Florida, the offensive style that that team played, to coming to what Daryl Sutter wants to do, it's it's clearly a bigger transition than any of us thought. But you're not out of it. You've been in a lot of these games. As we says, you've got seven po- you've got points in seven of your last ten, seven of your last nine, including a game against Montreal that. Nine times out of ten here at the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome, if that's the effort that you put up, you're going to get a win. I think the goaltending issues are behind them. Yeah, is it still a bit of a struggle for this team to score? But they were never going to be an offensive juggernaut anyways. I still think they're doing the things in the Daryl Sutter system. Last night they put up another 38 shots. I still think some of those are going to drop, and maybe you think I'm crazy about that, but I really do. I still think Daryl Sutter's system of shot volume and getting pucks to the net will eventually lead to more finish for this group. They're too good not to. Lindholm scored 40 last year. Huberto, while again, isn't Gaudreau, I think will only begin to continue to get more comfortable in this system and continue to get more offensively out of this group. He wasn't good last night. He wasn't good last night. Okay. They still put up three goals and didn't find a way to win the game. He's got to be better. I, I think that guy puts so much pressure on himself right now to be the guy in Calgary, but to do it Daryl Sutter's way just isn't as easy as maybe we thought it would be. And the text line's kind of been back and forth on that. And that's what I understand. That's why I wanted to read some of the text. Again, 960-960, the fan feedback line is always open to you here on Sportsnet today. Uh, I'll read a couple of these here. This text came in while we were chatting with Lou to start off hour one. This tweet says, how many excuses are we going to make? We're just not good enough. There was too much hype at the beginning. Plus, I think coaching is an issue. Seems like the boys are scared to make mistakes. They don't want the minutes taking away. Taken away. I, I That one to me, uh, you can bring up coaching all you want. If you can't execute, and most of these guys can't execute the, the system. As a coach, to me, Daryl Sutter, the minutes are, I think the minutes would be the same with, with any coach. I think any coach is going to use last night as an example. What line was going best for the Flames? Kadri, Manjapani, and Dubé. They got most of the ice time uh, at the end of the night. What line wasn't going? Lindholm, Toffoli, Huberto wasn't going very well. They didn't see much in ice time. That's, that's not a Daryl Sutter thing to me. That's a coaching thing to me. What coach isn't going to play the line that's going out more and the line that's not doing enough have their minutes taken away? This text says, this is crazy top, but when would the Flames think about trading Hubie if he doesn't start producing to get rid of that contract? Would it be after two years? Would it be earlier? Hop, uh, hope someone takes this... Uh, takes, uh, trying to figure out how to say this one. Uh, someone takes this context based on last year. I really think you could get rid of the money and grab a first for Hubie and try again. I, I'm not even... 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so far away from that. And uh, Pat says it all the time, and I think it's so accurate. I mean, the guy is 30 games into a nine-year commitment. Does that mean he's going to be here for nine years? No. But think about what last year was for this team. Last year, to me, was the culmination of a group for a couple of years building together. Think about how many years Johnny Gaudreau got to play with Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm and Sean Monahan and all of these guys to finally get somewhere in the playoffs. And that only got them to five games against the Edmonton Oilers. Some of us had the expectation that this group, with almost no time together, was supposed to do as much as that group did, if not more. And I, I'm look, I'm guilty of it as well. I was I had high I still have high expectations for this group. But I just don't I just can't definitively say Huberto's a failure, the group is a failure, this isn't working, that isn't working 30 games in. It's just not a big enough sample size for me. Uh, a couple more texts, 960-960. Only watched one game this year. Difference from last year, no game breakers. Really noticed it four on four, no finish. Still might have a shot at the playoffs playing a team game. Time will tell. Uh, this Texas third period last night was some of the worst hockey I've seen this team play. We're lucky to get a point. And on the other side, have patience. It seems like players take a year to get acclimated. Look how much better Tyler Toffoli is, better this year than he was last year. That's a great point. Toffoli's been their most consistent forward for my money this year in the top six for sure. This text says, fans are too hard on Huberto. You can see the skill. It doesn't just disappear. It'll come. Also, these people thinking we can play Phillips on the fourth line uh, are out to lunch. There's no room for him in the top nine. That's a, a different one. Uh, the Phillips one we'll talk about maybe tomorrow when we get a better indication of the lineup. Uh, this text says they weren't as good as everyone thought and they're not as bad as everyone thinks they are, but the reality is the game has changed big time in the playoffs last year uh, and they're not built for it. I, I again, I can't say that 30 games in. I still have a feeling for whatever reason that in tight games or playoff style games, when it comes to, to tightening up hockey and having to fight for more, this group might be better suited for that. Now you got to get there. And as of right now, this team isn't doing enough to get there easily, but I just, I can't, I can't get to the point that some people are at that this group is done, that it's a failure, that this isn't working. Uh, this text is, hey, I moved from Florida to Calgary. Never mind no more swimming pool or barbecuing all winter. It takes a year or two for your family to start talking to you again. They're going to be just fine. This text says, load up the top line. Go Hubie, Naz, Lindholm, Bax as your 2C, Ruzichka as your 3C. I just, I just want to see some consistency, to be honest. I don't even need to see... I, I, I'm not to, to disparage what the text is saying. Uh, I think there are more you can do with the lines if you want to, especially as Ruzichka's come along uh, so much this season. But 
I just, just give them some time. We It felt like at the beginning of the season we went on a bit of a roll. We decided to change everything up. And then all of a sudden things didn't go our way. And now we're just kind of getting back into track with these lines on a consistent basis. At least the top six. I mean, I'm not touching. The, the biggest problem I have with that is I'm not touching Kadri, Dubé, Manjapani. To me, they're the most consistent line for this team. And they've been the biggest headache to other teams. If I'm Daryl Sutter, I, I say I have three good NHL top six options to Foley, Lindholm, Huberto. I think more likely than not, they're going to figure it out. We'll get back to the text line in a little bit here, but I uh, have some business to take care of today as we've been doing all week long uh, here on Sportsnet today. For those of you listening live, uh, we have some tickets to give away. And luckily for uh, two of you today, we have two pairs of tickets to give away. Kane Brown is coming to town on Saturday as part of his Drunk or Dreaming tour. He's got special guest Jesse James Decker and Restless Road along with him. And I've given the contest details over to uh, producers extraordinaire Cam and Taylor. And we did one yesterday as we did. I thought you did a very great question, Taylor. You challenged the listeners and came up with a very strong question. Uh, But unfortunately, our winner yesterday, not able to go on Saturday. So we're going to double it up today. Instead of giving away one pair of tickets, we're going to give away two. That also means we're going to throw it back to Taylor, who said that she promised an increasing level of difficulty throughout the week to these questions. And we'll see if she follows up on that. So I'll, I'll throw this out there again. We'll play some audio from the Flames locker room last night. We'll hear from Daryl Sutter, his post-game remarks. We'll hear from Dylan Dubé in the Flames locker room last night. But we'll do the ticket giveaway now so people can get their answers in. If you're streaming and you're a couple minutes behind, you still have a chance to win the tickets. So, Taylor, we'll get through the basic rules here, and we'll try to get this locked down, okay? 960-960 is where you will send your answers. I need your first name. I need your last name on the text. And I'm going to ask that you're able to go on Saturday. I think that's fair, right? It's very fair. I think that's a, a fair expectation. I've only been able to give away one of these to someone that was able to go this week. We'll try to get two more today. Taylor Dingman, outstanding producer and board up on the other side. You have the floor. I have given the people the basics. What will they need to answer if they would like to be entered in for these Kane Brown tickets? You know, hopefully this is a little more difficult than yesterday. Okay. So the question to answer is, who was the first Calgary Flames goaltender with 10 shutouts in a season? That's fun. I like like that that one. Yeah. I like that. I think that's a great question. It's a little harder than yesterday. Yesterday was a good one. Yesterday she stumped a few people. You're getting a little tricky with it, and I liked it. I can tell you tomorrow is going to be pretty difficult. That's uh, You better be right about that. We're bringing it on a Friday tomorrow, so you better be right about that. So one more time, I'll lay out the basic rules for you. you text 960-960 with the correct answer. Your first and last name have to be on the text, and please be able to go on Saturday. It's like basic courtesy. Kane Brown tickets. 
his Drunker Dreaming Tour. He's got a couple special guests with him. Want to make sure that you can use these tickets and go have yourself a great night. There's no Flames hockey. You don't have to worry about any of that. It's a rare Saturday night off for the Canadian team. They're going to play tomorrow against uh, the St. Louis Blues, so you don't have to worry about any of that. Your Saturday's wide open, and you can do this. We're going to pick two winners at random. Taylor, give me that question one more time for the text line. Who was the first Calgary Flames goaltender with 10 shutouts in a season? First Flames goaltender with 10 shutouts in one season. 960-960. First and last name on the text. Please be able to use the tickets on Saturday. While we wait for some of your answers to uh, flood in on the text line, let's go back to last night from the Flames dressing room. We'll start with the head coach. He spoke to the media following his team's loss in a shootout to the Vancouver Canucks. Big point for us. A little bad luck early. I thought we had a really good start. Scored a deflection goal and then a... Uh, lost coverage goal quick, but I thought we, we were pretty resilient and battled back. Is that the message through this? I mean, I, I think in three games, through, you what? Know, through these last three games, you, you, I think you're playing pretty good hockey. And yeah, you're not good. I think the, this whole month has clearly been our best month. I think we got points in what? Oh, six of the eight games, so the difference is the difference maker. Right? You get to the extra, uh, extra or late. You know, opportunities, whether it's power play or overtime or shootouts, that's where your best players got to be difference makers, for sure. In a situation like you described where you like your start, but like, do you wonder what you're going to see next from your group? No. I mean, it was pretty clear. I, you know, we had game plan. The game plan was certainly supposed to stick to the game plan. Right? Uh, our guys, I thought they were good at it. I think first goal is... I mean, our start was really good. You must have been very happy with Jacob Markstrom's performance tonight. Yeah, I thought he was, that's pretty resilient, right? So that's what he was. You worried all with your, your defensemen, the four of them being played this much? Well, we don't have a choice. We're putting guys in, two guys in situations that they're not normally played in, and they have to rise to the challenge. Very simple. I mean, they they got to give us some. Doesn't matter how many minutes, but they got to give you quality shifts. The, the, uh, I thought McKenzie came back in and did played really well. I thought Nolan Raft's really good. I think, I think uh, you know Z gets you know gets caught a little bit with tired out there, things like that. But overall, I can't complain about it. Does Trevor Lewis get enough credit in your mind for being to this team? Well, it's a big goal again. You know he's. Part of the penalty kill, and then, you know, I've talked about that one lots. So it's a good player for us. Have you liked what you've been seeing from Kadri's line? They started the game the right way, and uh, all three of them got some spirit to them. There you go. Head coach of the Calgary Flames, Daryl Sutter, speaking to the media following last night's loss to the Vancouver Canucks. And yeah, I think. A few people raised the eyebrows in the uh, Ed Whalen Media Lounge when Daryl said, yeah, I actually liked the start. It was just two pretty key mistakes that led to to goals, and all of a sudden Vancouver was up 2 nothing. So I also think that you have to worry if the context of that is, you know, I think the start 
probably expands further than just the the two goals for Vancouver. If you're Daryl, you're, you're probably encompassing more than that. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I think Friday's going to be big for this team. We'll we'll talk more about it obviously on a game day tomorrow. But uh, this is going to be an important one. Uh, the team got an off day today. That's uh, an unusual one, but we'll see how uh, they respond on Friday as they try to end this four game losing streak. That'll um, just about finish up the hour. We have to give away these tickets. Um, Taylor and Cam on the other side. Excellent question today, Taylor. Why, thank you. Um, actually, you know, I'm, I'm almost done heaping praise on you after Lou was so kind to you earlier. I, you know what? I'll take all of it. You know, really boost the ego. Yeah, I want to be a good team player and all of that, but yeah, I think you guys have had enough of an ego boost today. Uh, anyways, you did do a good job on the question. Um, 960-960, we're giving away a pair of Kane Brown tickets to the Drunker Dreaming Tour. Coming to Calgary at the Scotiabank Saddledome on Saturday. Our winner from yesterday's uh, contest can't make it. So we got two pairs of tickets to give away. Uh, Taylor, what was the question that we were asking listeners today? Who was the first Calgary Flames goaltender with 10 shutouts in a season? And the correct answer to that would be? San Jose Sharks legend, Mika Kiprasov. San Jose Sharks legend, really? It's dirty that you said that. Wow. San Jose Sharks legend Mika Kiprasov, she says. Uh, not flame as he should be known as. But yes, Mika Kiprasov is the correct answer. Uh, everyone that put Kiprasov on there was randomly entered into our randomizer. We have two winners, uh, Cam. We got two ready to go. We got two drum rolls uh, locked and ready to go. We're just going to do one drum roll. Oh. And we'll announce two names. All right. That's okay. Uh, drum roll, please. Our winners, Chris Dowsett and James Crease. Chris and James, congratulations. I will uh, text both of you with information about it. If your name is Chris or James and you do not receive a text from me, I apologize. You did not win the tickets today. Uh, but we will have a Friday giveaway where Taylor promises an even more difficult question than uh, the ones that she's proposed this week. I'll text those two winners. We'll come back on the other side. Hour two of Sportsnet Today kicks off with a chat with Three Down Nation's John Hodge talking about the changes to the front office in Calgary and a interesting offensive coordinator hire for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll talk about that next as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.